Hello, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 17. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you for uh, for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, listening, if you're listening through Voice First FM or major podcast providers, my name is Bradley Metrock, CEO of Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Thrilled today to be joined by a special guest whose work I've been really sort of admiring for a while. Let's say hello to Ilarna Shea. Ilarna, say hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, I guess I should introduce myself. Please. Yeah. Tell us who you are, what you do, uh, share with us what you got going on. Yeah. So uh, my name is Alana. I am in like the voice uh, industry. Uh, I just finished, um, I graduated from university in 2018 and I was kind of introduced to voice around that time as well in 2017 um, and I started developing for voice with a making Amazon Alexa skills and then moving on to Samson Bixby and it's just been a whirlwind of a, of a journey so um, yeah it's I've, I've just enjoyed learning this new industry really and everyone's really friendly and I've been recently named Alexa champion and at Project Voice I was awarded with Bixby developer of the year and I've also like joined the Matchbox team as well so it's been a very good few years for me looking back. You got a lot going on (laughs) you got a lot of irons in the fire um and uh, yeah, congratulations on your your award. Congratulations on all the stuff you're doing, um, and congratulations on joining the Matchbox team as well. That's uh, they're they're a super interesting and super successful company so far. It's it's been fun to watch them, and and y'all joining forces. Nothing good, but good things will come out of that. Alarna, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you. With that. We will get to the news. And story number one is our voicebot.ai story of the week. As you hear me say every week, if you don't know what voicebot.ai is, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) You need to go there and learn great site, news, commentary, statistics, analysis, uh, everything for uh, understanding and better comprehending the voice and AI landscape. New German law includes voice assistance under changed media regulations. This um, is interesting, and especially having a guest on the show uh, that we're talking to from from overseas, I thought it'd be good to just to start with an article that allows us to sort of talk about how um, different countries are perceiving this movement with voice technology and the underlying AI. Alarna, tell tell me in the audience, you know, um, your thoughts as you sort of looked at this story and thought about it. Um, anything particular stand out to you? Um, share with us, share with us what you thought as you looked at, as you, uh, as you read this. Yeah. So this kind of intrigued me a lot because, uh, I guess Germany are really 
taking a stance here into being like, hey, we've got to do something about these new technologies emerging and voice being something very prominent in everyday life now, it's really important that we do clamp down some rules that also monitor and analyze what what people are doing and what is going to be the future of uh, interface and the future of everyday communication. Because now we we are kind of stepping away from uh, the internet as in a form of going onto the internet through uh, a visual, uh, whether it be a smartphone or computer. And we are like, our responses are becoming more voice, voice first. So seeing Germany actually think about this law, they're, they're really, they're really um, putting themselves out there in the terms of being, look, we need to do something about this and we need to get ahead of it before it's too late. Yeah, complete complete agreement. It's it's um I think there's there's macro level things you could take away from this article. Um uh, I think that we're gonna see governments everywhere figuring out what their approach with this technology is gonna be. Are they gonna clamp down? Are they gonna ha- be hands off? Uh what are they gonna do? Uh but uh, one way or the other they gotta talk it through and decide. But when you really dig into the nitty gritty with this particular story, it's, at least I thought it was super interesting that um, a, a big part of this law is that um, any company like, you know, Google, Amazon mentions Apple in there has to have a representative made available to the government, to the German government, to sue if there's problems. <laughs> so basically they're saying, you just come on over here and we're going to put one of your people right here. And if there's any sort of problem whatsoever, we're just going to take it out on, uh, we, we know where to find you, basically. And um, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, we... Um, it's so different than the dynamic in the United States where it's not hard to find these companies. In fact, they're so unbelievably enormous that in in some ways they dwarf the government. And uh, that's why we have conversations in this country about whether we need to, to break up these companies because they're too big and the government can't properly wield power against them. So, it's uh, it's interesting just to see the different dynamics at play. Um, any additional thoughts on that? I, I think we're in complete agreement. Yeah, I mean, a good example was that Facebook scandal a few years back where, you know, they literally couldn't decide what to do because they didn't really have any concrete laws about, well, how, how do we deal with this? Uh, so in terms of having some a representative, I agree in your aspect that, like, it it's probably easy to uh, send someone over uh, to to deal with the situation, but to have a representative actually being in Germany, as they say, uh, all the time, surely it's already common that these, like you said, these companies are so big, they're probably already operating in Germany. 
So is there any real need to, to I guess, have someone there already? When, you, when these big companies like Google, like Amazon, they, they already have offices over there. So I wouldn't see it as a, a, a big deal in that retrospect. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I think that the article sort of leaves out, it could have delved further into what's the difference between this representative versus, you know, other employees that they could go after and pursue. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. But, um, um, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that they, they want accountability and, you know, it, it's, uh, and as you can tell from some, some of the aspects of the article, the, the, the big companies, they, they want to avoid accountability <laughs> if they can. Um, yeah. and so that's, that's, uh, that's the cat and mouse game. But I guess we'll have to see. This is, this is why we kind of need to test it out, you know, to find what, what is the best way to deal with this sort of thing? Because it is kind of like who is actually responsible in, at the end of the day. And I know they have this, the same issue with, um, like social media, who is actually responsible? Is Twitter responsible for what people put on there? Um, so, yeah, it, it'll definitely be it'll be a good test to see how how this kind of pans out. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah, completely completely agree. Um, story number two from Bake Magazine. That's a new that's a new source for us. Nutella has a new Amazon Alexa promotion. I want to pull this article up because I want to read um, read what this says. This, this article talks about two different distinct things that Nutella is doing, with the second thing being this uh, Alexa promotion. Another unique promotion from Nutella is a new skill available on Amazon Alexa. Nutella fans all over the world can ask Alexa for breakfast inspiration. The new skill allows access to a variety of Nutella recipes, including pancakes and waffles, and features four interactive memory games to keep families entertained while breakfast is being prepared. To activate, consumers can say, Alexa, open Nutella creations. Very interesting. Um, and as uh, somebody steeped in creating voice experiences, Alarna, share with us your thoughts as you look at what Nutella is doing here. Well, I I thought it came at a really good time. Obviously, I don't, I don't know if in America do you guys celebrate Pancake Day? Because we, uh, we, of course we do. It's every day. Ah, uh, every day. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we we have our Pancake Day, which was actually this Tuesday, um, and this again is a perfect example of where Nutella. Uh, could have really actually promoted that um, as a really kind of iconic activity because for us anyway, Pancake Day is seen as already an interactive interactive experience where we'll be flipping the pancakes and taking it in turns. So what they're kind of doing here, I guess, is like a, a replacement. Um, but in terms of promotion, it would have been very well executed in well in this case with pancake day to really promote it alongside that uh because i wasn't actually aware that they were doing uh this skill for uh i wasn't actually aware they were actually doing this skill until after pancake day actually so 
it was kind of a, a very missed opportunity there, but I can see more, more and more brands would actually, it would work well to incorporate this sort of, of uh, direction because not only will it promote the brand, but I would then see pancakes, waffles, breakfast stuff. I'd be like, oh, Nutella. So kind of subtly bring it into your, your, your mind and think that when I go for breakfast, I'm thinking of Nutella. So I definitely think that adding that interactive element of entertainment around breakfast, is there that, is it, are, they, are they trying to fix that whole people who don't obviously sit together for breakfast, we're trying to bring them together? Or are they trying to go around the angle of being like, look, we can make breakfast more fun and you can actually see breakfast as, a, as an activity? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think those are, I think that's a great question and just a uh, good, good perspective on it. I, 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 I think that you're hitting on what I find most interesting about this, which is with voice experiences so far, and you can disagree with me or agree with me or, or whatever your thoughts are, but I think one of the challenges that we've seen, so the big challenge is discoverability and, you know, with all of these voice experiences and it's compounded by, um, you know, Amazon's marketplace is just not great. Um, you know, Bixby's just now getting, getting down the road, you know, they, but, uh, as that starts to get, um, more populous, you know, more populated, uh, it may have some of the same discoverability issues because it these voice experiences just don't work the same way as apps so you can't expect the same approach to work when it's not the same thing to start with and but underneath the discoverability problem you have some smaller sub problems and one of those problems in my opinion is it never really has been adequately explained when are you expected to consume certain types of voice experiences? And games are high on the list. So if you've created a game that's maybe a more casual sort of game, like a memory game or something that's in this Nutella thing, or you created a more hardcore game like um, Skyrim Very Special Edition, for example, you know, something that's really like, uh, complex and uh, content heavy. There's not a real good understanding, my opinion, on when, when, what is the when for that? Is it you set an echo speaker on the count on the, 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 the table in, in your living room and you carve out time at night to play? Uh, is it um, some other time? Is it during a break at work? Is it when for these voice experiences, these, these, these interactive and like entertainment oriented experiences? And here it's subtle, but Nutella with this strategy is saying, 
we're not just throwing games in there to throw in games because we needed something to tell our developer to do. And we saw someone else create a game. So people do games and throw in a game. No, they said, we want you to play this during the breakfast time while you're waiting for breakfast to be prepared. And it's so subtle and you really wouldn't think much about it. But that's one of the things I really love about this is that they said when they, they didn't just create it, but they told you when to consume it. Um, and uh, I think that for brand marketers and for anybody in a marketing role uh, creating these voice experiences, they need to think in terms of not just the what, and in some cases, the who's the product. But that's, that's my takeaway from this. That's what I love about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think in the mornings, uh, that's when I think most most skills, well, for me personally, is when I would consu- like, consume these games because in the evening, I'm probably too tired or watching TV or just chilling out. And And like you said, the difference between a video game or where you just sit back and you've got the visuals kind of helping you and then when you've got the voice experience where you are kind of limited to one uh one sense in this of hearing and trying to imagine and there's more you need more concentration so i definitely think that nutella actually like you said subtly telling the user look play this at breakfast they also know it's a great it, they also imagine that you're you're using their product you're eating the breakfast and you're thinking of Nutella in the mornings and um, like, cause they're already a well-known brand. Like everyone knows about them, but they're trying to do what most, like you said with, the, with this, this article, they're saying we want to replace syrup with Nutella. So they, they want to be the go-to for breakfast. So I definitely think that they're, they're really doing some sort of psychology magic where they're telling you, breakfast, breakfast, Nutella, Nutella. And I think the only issue I would say is that invocation name. So like you said, discover, if you want to discover a skill, it needs to be a good invocation name. And the best ones I always say are the ones where it's, where it's part of like, uh, you don't have to think you, you're just there and you can just say it and it will, it will just launch the skill. So if if they if you can crack that, then discovering something would be no problem at all. Well said. Yeah, we'll leave that right there. That's great. Um, story number three from Street Fight, which is another publication we've never featured on this show before. Leveraging voice, a path for brand marketers. Now, this is a wide-ranging piece that talks about a number of things related to how voice assistants and smart speakers and these voice ecosystems are interfacing with modern marketing initiatives and branding efforts. Um, There's a lot, there's a lot of surface area to the piece. Alarna, what stood out to you in this article or, or what stands out to you just in general on, um, um, how voice assistants are being used in this capacity. Yeah, I I was most surprised at, obviously, 
how people are more likely to stick to one voice assistant, uh, especially because you were in this day where if you had an Android phone, for example, you have Google. And then obviously Amazon came up with a smart speaker. So um, I was more, I was expecting more people to have more just because you would have the smart speaker and obviously you would use your, your voice assistant on your phone because Siri and all that came out years before we had the, the smart speakers. So I, I, was, I was actually surprised at that number. Uh, they say uh, 97%. Um, <clears throat> and, and also, I think in terms of the, like you said, the, the marketplace, if my kind of understanding is if you have if you're recognizing a brand, you have that, they have, there's that consumer trust and that loyalty. So if I see the same brand everywhere, I'm more likely to kind of, I'm more lured towards it. So if, for example, you have one voice assistant that is not just a, in a smart speaker, but also in the car, in like everyday uh, household objects and also you can access it anywhere then ultimately that's that's when I thought the that's when I think someone will people will stick to that stick to one brand but for now our voice assistants there's not one voice assistant that is kind of everywhere yet so that's why I was su surprised at that Didn't realize I was still muted there. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And um, I think um, my where where I sort of zeroed in on on this is I'm I'm intrigued to see like there's a paragraph in here where this vice president of marketing at Formation, this um, marketing firm, talks about um, the importance of owning the data. And I think that that's really where the rubber is going to meet the road for who's going to take that next step. So right now, Amazon got out in front first, carved out a big market share. Along comes Google. They catch up. Very viable, healthy second place, most people would say. Now here comes Samsung uh, really getting things revved up. Uh, and doing things a little bit differently, a little bit higher end in some aspects and have a lot of potential to take share away from both of them and uh, sort of recalibrate the market. But uh, I think that, um, especially in, the, in a marketing capacity, which is so important for these voice assistants, the willingness of the hardware of the, the the tech company, the tech behemoth, Samsung, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, to, to share that data with these marketers is going to be fundamentally important to their long-term success. And if you look at these companies, there's really one that stands out that would be hesitant to do that. And to me, it's Amazon. You know, I think that uh, Amazon has... Um, some amount of disincentive to be as forthcoming with all of the data on, you know, how people are, if people are using it to buy 
or if there's transactions going on, you know, I could see Amazon it being harder for them. Um, not necessarily that they're not willing to partner. I, I don't mean that. I just mean just the nature of their company and who they are. It might be harder for them to do than to just let like Samsung just saying here, here's full access to everything. Uh, Cause we don't care. We're not in those markets. So um, that's going to be interesting to watch. And this article does a pretty good job of, of painting the picture of, of the thought process that these marketers go through and what would really help them take full advantage of these platforms. But I will say, I mean, we only, at the moment, we only really have, I guess, the majority of the data would be coming from smart speakers or mobile uh, because that's, I guess, where people are most likely to use them. And obviously, that I've, I, I've, I've always said that I believe depending on the device, it the, that will ultimately depend on how people interact with, uh, the, with voice. So I always say if a company could really, the, the car is such a big market that I think that's where voice will be utilized the most because it kind of is. You're driving and I mean, we, we've had this since the beginning where people uh, have to use headsets uh, in their ear to, to talk on the phone, for example. And I really do think that in the car, if a company could access the car uh, and really dominate the car market with their voice assistants, then they're going to be the true winners because at the end of the day, everyone will i can see driving being a part of everyday lives for a while and um that won't change for a very long time but also you need to concentrate on the road and voice is the next best thing so i definitely think that if a company could focus on the car and the marketers as well like they will be they'll definitely be involved with that <clears throat> yeah yeah well well put um, I'm going to leave that there and go to story four. I'm going to read this from Fast Company. I'm a Google Assistant power user. These are its six most glaring problems. This is interesting for several reasons to me. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on this uh, before I even say a word. Um, well, first of all, um, which one of these six things called out in this piece caught your eye the most? And uh, with your role of having been involved in these different ecosystems, Google is one that maybe you haven't been as involved with as Amazon and Samsung. Share with us your thoughts as you looked at this piece. Yeah, so when I read this, actually, I was like, oh, yes. But I wasn't, I didn't really think about it until uh, until I actually read it, that actually it is kind of why, with, with especially with assistants, I, I have many because there's, there's different uh, voice assistants that can do one thing, but another can't, but some can't do others. So especially with the, the setup, for example, I did kind of, that one did that one was close to home because when whenever you do set up a new um a new whether it be a new speaker or lights you, you the pay it is kind of painful setting it up but I just maybe that's because 
at that time, it's not expected for people to have more than one kind of device or, and it really, I guess if you did have a lot of lights and a lot of devices, that maybe that use, use case or user case hasn't really been brought forward yet. So I guess that that's something I can see becoming a lot better because we are coming into that time now where it, everyone's going to soon have all these smart home products and I'm sure they'll come up with a better way to, to set it up. And also with, with audio, a big thing with audio, like there's probably the, the most the most usage when it comes to voice assistance is music, listening to audio. And I do, I, I do like with the group, especially when you group them together, it, I didn't actually realize that it was a limitation until he, until it was um, talked about because yeah, when, when you do, for example, want to listen to another song or change the, the audio, it, it does kind of do that. So yeah, it's really interesting um, reading that and thinking, oh yeah, this 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 could be a great improvement for Google Assistant as well. So I had the same thoughts you did. I, I the setup was the thing that I focused on, and um, not getting the setup of a new piece of hardware right. When I say right, I mean a hundred percent. I don't mean eighty. You know, I mean a hundred percent. Talking flawless. It's just such a grievous offense, you know, um, it just, it, that's where so much of the lion's share of effort ought to go. Like they're ought to, and they, they have teams doing it, but you know, uh, there's time constraints and things that go unexpected and the unexpected use cases. And there's all sorts of things that come up, but, uh, yeah, the setup, um, is key and making sure that, that every little permutation of how of what someone may need at the time of setup and context they may bring into the equation uh, is worth thinking about but I also completely agree with you Alarna about um, what a gift this article is to Google I don't think that I've seen an article written like this if I have it's been probably a year or two since an article has been written like this about Alexa, if ever, um, it just sort of provides in such concrete detail from someone who's obviously a user um, of what needs to change. And uh, not to say that, you know, who, who's to say whether uh, Amazon would act on it anyway, but Google, um, who's to say Google will act on it? But if they do, it's just, um, it's just all laid out here. I mean, if they fix all this stuff, um, that's millions and millions and millions of dollars in value to them, um, that this author has given them. So yeah, I, uh, they got to fix the setup and it's just, it's, it's just a, a gift gift wrapped for Google, um, that this author took a time, took their time to create any closing thoughts on that. Yeah. Like I say, any, any feedback, whether it's bad or good is very valuable. And if like Google are very innovative, innovative, and I've seen them obviously take the helm in a lot of things, especially with smart home. Uh, I remember them being one of the first to be like, you know that you know. Remember when back in the day you'd have to say the particular light that you wanted to turn off, 
and you'd have to remember because it would be labeled like lamp nine or something. Um, they were actually one of the first, I believe, to be like, you could be in a room and just say, turn off the lights. And it would just, if your smart speaker, for example, was in that room, it could just turn off the lights without having to be like, turn off lamp nine. So that I can definitely see, I, I wouldn't see any reason why they, they should look at this article and think, right, this is, this is what we're gonna do to make it easier. So, yeah, um, you're right. They have been a leader with that and, um, gives you hope that they'll take action on the stuff in this article. Very, very well put story. Number five, the American genius consumers spend big on smart speakers, but small through them. This is another publication that I don't think we have ever had on this show before. Um, and an interesting take on conversational commerce and, um, and how consumers can ultimately those dots can get connected that make it easier that sort of realize that potential for consumers to use these devices and voice assistants to buy things. Alarna, like a couple of the other articles we've covered, this, this covers a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Tell me your thoughts as you looked at this and, and your thoughts on sort of the state of using voice assistants to buy things. Well, already, I think out of everyone, Amazon probably have the best bet to come out on top of this because they've already got a commerce site, amazon.com or where they, they've got that user base. And I think coming from personal experience, I agree with a lot of this article because if I want to buy a vacuum, say, I'm, I'm not going to use voice to, to do that simply because I don't, I need to look at the reviews. I need to look at the, the product itself. I need to see so much information before I compare uh, and compare with others as well. So I can't just be like, buy me a vacuum. I have to actually look and actually research to see what's the best one. Whether that means though that they could, for example, grab the most popular or the most, uh, more, the most reliable vacuum, that could be a different story. But especially when you wanna spend like a lot of money it's not something where you can just certainly just say, buy me a vacuum. But on the other hand, with the, with the dash buttons, because I remember them, and it was actually a really good, they're still going, and it was, it's a really good concept. But I think though, if they focus on that with voice, I think that's a more successful route to take, just because I would feel more comfortable being like, order toilet paper, for example, because that is something that, I know if you, you buy certain brands the same, you would feel comfortable getting that brand again and knowing how much you normally get and stuff. So I definitely think going through the, if they really utilize the dash buttons into voice, they can really get ahead of that for sure. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, Amazon, if someone's going to get it right, it's going to be Amazon. Um, and They've gotten so much other things right along the way. There's no reason to think that they're going to mess this up. It um, The article, interestingly, doesn't delve into um, repeat purchasing. 
Um, it just instead chooses to focus on, you know, the absence of screens and the, necess- the necessity of having visuals when you're making a first-time purchase or a larger purchase and things like that. Uh, and it also points out the fact that there's there, there are plenty of people who have privacy and trust issues um, with these devices as well. So somehow or other, um, and see, that's why that that's another reason why Amazon is rel- is positioned relatively well, is that if you're going to talk about the tech giants, Amazon is relatively well trusted um, compared to certainly compared to a Facebook, which is sort of garbage status. But uh, you know, as opposed to, I think. If you lined up a hundred people and said, "Who do you trust more, Amazon or Google?" I wonder if someone's actually done that. Someone should do that. Um, I bet you sixty-five to seventy percent would probably say Amazon. And so, I would be intrigued to see that. Actually, maybe we should do that. Um, but uh, Amazon, in my estimation, is more trusted than Google. Certainly here in the United States, uh, for no for a reason, uh, no other reason than they are such staunch advocates for the consumer. Uh, they're constantly pursuing lower prices. They're constantly pursuing how do we get this stuff to you quicker and and have have uh, good customer uh, service and returns and whatnot. And um, so they can overcome the trust issues, and the trust issues are already less for them to overcome. Um, so the, I agree with you. I think there's high hopes that uh, hopefully in 2020, they start to connect the dots and, and change this narrative that we've seen play out with voice and conversational AI, where, yeah, people are buying the devices and yeah, they're using them for this, that, and the other, but nah, haven't, haven't really become a uh, commerce tool yet. Somebody's got to turn that around. I think Amazon will do that. Last word, last word to you. Yeah, 100%. And going back to the whole like voice privacy and and also the the fear of accidentally buying something, like they uh, I maybe they need to really put it out there, but you have that voice pin that you can do to stop people from buying stuff. And and also a lot of the time people are scared to use devices cuz they're like, "Oh, it's always recording." But what they don't realize is you've got one you've got that phone that's in your pocket all the time that does the same thing. So uh, I guess it's a privacy. And I, I see that Apple are doing it a lot in their adverts. They're like, they're really trying to emphasize that, you know, the, the consumer's privacy and security is the utmost important thing uh, to, that, they, they're, that they're actually thinking about. So maybe change the the perspective of voice assistants and be like, look, we're just here to help you and privacy is something you're worried about and, and kind of show them why they, they shouldn't be worried about it. So, Hey, well said. This is what a great, uh, what a great conversation. Alarna, thank you very, very much for being part of this week in voice with us. Thank you for taking the time to share not just your experience, but your expertise with me and the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. For This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 17. Thank you for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.